Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Come on. Come on. Um, we are in Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablets or your memories. Um, that was a joke. You didn't get that one? Um, thank you so much, Sydney. In order to get to um, our scripture passage, we need to understand a little bit of what's going on in Acts. Um, and so I want to just kind of fill us in. Is this going to work for me here? There we go. Um, there's a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a wealthy man, influential person, um, had a large household. Um, he was doing well. And he also was a God-fearing person who was known for his generous deeds. In fact, his generous deeds were described as being memorial offerings unto God. And one day, he was visited by an angel. And the angel said to him, you need to call Peter. Because Peter will help you understand What's going on in your life? At the same time, Peter, we all know Peter, right? Peter was a disciple. Peter was very consistently missing the point throughout the Gospels. Um, Peter likely lived alone. Um, he was dependent on people. Um, and where we find him in the story is he had denied Jesus three times. And he's now in the home of a friend, and he goes to the roof of the house to pray. And we're told that he's very hungry. And he has these visions, the same one three times, of a sheet coming down, four corners being held, like the four corners of the earth, and animals on the sheets. And to this hungry man comes this voice from God that says, eat, kill and eat these animals. And being a good Jewish person, he says, absolutely not. I will not eat anything that is impure or unclean. And the voice says to him, you must consider this, you must not consider what God has given you impure or unclean. Well, he came down from the roof to find some people that Cornelius had sent to him. And they said, our, our, our master has sent us to inquire of you. And later we, we know that Peter um, read the scriptures in such a way that he didn't, wasn't even quite sure if he should associate with people like these that had come to visit him. Um, and yet he let them in. He let them into this house and he said, what, what do you want from me? And they said, you must come with us to this Gentile home because we need to hear from you. Peter thought about it. 
Maybe he prayed about it and he went. And he traveled with these people to Cornelius' house. Imagine how you feel when you're in a place that you're not sure you're supposed to be there. Imagine how you feel when you're in a place that you're unsure as to why you're there. Life takes us to those places sometimes. And Peter gets there and Cornelius has gathered a big group of people, his whole household, likely a small economy. Um, and they're there waiting. And Peter says, you know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be associating in a gathering like this. One commentator I read, Willie Jennings, says this is an illicit gathering. Why do you want me here? And Cornelius says, I heard from an angel that I was supposed to listen to you. And so we are gathered here in the presence of God to hear what you have to say. And our scripture passage for today um, is what Peter says. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the message of peace he sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John preached? You know about Jesus of Nazareth? Whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit and endowed with power? Jesus of Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? Jesus of Nazareth, friend of sinners? Anointed with the Holy Spirit and endowed with power. Jesus traveled around doing good and healing everyone oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We're witnesses of everything he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him up on the third day and allowed him to be seen, not by anyone, but by us. We are witnesses whom God chose beforehand, who ate and drank with him after God raised him from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Jesus of Nazareth. What good could come from Nazareth? Friend of sinners. Judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. Early Christians, when they, when they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus, they, they didn't just proclaim this as like, Somebody coming back to life. 
They didn't proclaim it as an angry God is now content. They proclaimed it as if a whole new world had just begun. And Jesus was the first citizen or creature of that world. They proclaimed that in Jesus' resurrection, God had begun to transform the entire world towards love and justice and grace. And 2,000 and chum change years later, we experienced that world, right? We experienced a perfect world, right? We don't. We all come here um, like Cornelius with big questions. Some of us pretty content in our lives. Some of us come like Peter. We might feel very alone. We might feel very dependent. We might feel like we blew it three times after we had blown it pretty much the whole time with Jesus. We come to this day that we celebrate the newness of God and like them, we, we face a world that has evidence of evil and sadness. But on this day, we proclaim with the early believers, and we have, we have seen witness of moments of this, that in the resurrection of Jesus, something new has happened. God has not given up on this world. It may seem like it sometimes, right? It may seem like it. But we are here as people of hope. The scriptures call us prisoners of hope to proclaim that God has not given up on this world and that in Jesus Christ, a new thing has begun. Can I get a witness? <laughs> There's an Orthodox um, theologian named Athenagoras who says, the resurrection is not the resuscitation of a body. It is the beginning of the transfiguration of the world. A couple things. I think this story and this Easter day um, invites us to proclaim and remember. First is this, we gather because we believe that our stories, our personal lives, our individual stories, nested in our relationships, nested in our marriages, nested in our friendships and in our households and in our families, our stories are a part of God's big story, just as they are right where, we're, right, right where we are. Um, but we are a part of the thing that God is doing. Our stories, our household stories, our family stories, our church story, our country story, other country stories... 
God is doing something with those stories. God is working in those stories. And we gather here today to proclaim and, and remind each other. And, and we gather here every Sunday. So we'll see all of you next Sunday. Um, we, we gather here every Sunday to proclaim the newness that is alive because Jesus is alive. Amen? So kids, your stories are getting started. Your stories are wrapped up in what God is doing in the world. And that is not to be heard as a big pressure, as something like, oh boy, I got to be like, you know, just right. No, your story as you are with your gifts, your talents, the things you're not so good at yet, maybe you'll never be good at, the things that make you sad, the things that make you really, really happy. Kids, adults, our stories are not done being written. Our stories are being written as a part of God's big story. Adults, our stories are a little longer. Some of them longer than others, right? Some of us are middle-aged like me. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. Some of us may feel like Cornelius. Huh? I know what I'm... I know what I do. I kind of dreamed of doing it. Maybe I didn't, but it is what I do. This is kind of what each day looks like. I wake up. I do what I do. I make lunches every single day. I eat breakfast. I go to work. Maybe you're real comfortable with that. Maybe you find it lacking. But if you're like Cornelius today, your story is not done being written. For some of you, that might be hallelujah, because my story isn't where I'm hoping it will be. For some of you, it might mean, whoa, there's even more beyond the life that I'm so thankful for that I need to stay open to, because a new thing is happening, and God is wanting to bring newness to the world and our lives are a part of that. God is not done with your story today. Amen? Some of you might be like, Peter, again, you denied him three times after you had kind of messed it up over and over and over again before that. Maybe you're like, Peter, and you're very dependent on other people and you're not so sure what to make of that. Um, maybe you're like Peter and there's people who scare you to be around. People in our world who you can't make sense of their life. You can't make sense of the choices they make. Some of those people are maybe even family members or dear friends. God is not done with your story. God is not done writing the narrative of your life. And God is not done with your relationship with those people that might make you nervous, that you're not so sure about. God wants to bring newness there. That's one. The other two are going to be quicker. 
God's not done with your story yet, and it's a part of God's bigger story. Um, Sonia quoted Rachel Held Evans a while back, who, who, who grasps this nicely. The gospel means that every small story is a part of a sweeping story, every ordinary life part of an extraordinary movement. God is busy making all things new, and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has opened that work to everyone who wants in on it. The church is not a group of people that believe all the same things. I'm sure we're close, right? I'm sure we're real close. No. <laughs> Praise God. No. Um, the church is a group of people caught up in the same story with Jesus at the center. The second thing, and I've touched on this already, is that there is reason to believe in this story that Cornelius and Peter are afraid. Peter especially. Cornelius is afraid maybe because his life just got cracked open with a vision from an angel that he needs to hear, go and hear from someone. And he might be afraid because he's going to find out what God wants from him. And he's pretty content with his life. He's pretty content with what he has. Peter is afraid because he is spending time with people he's not used to spending time with. And not only is he afraid of the people, but he's afraid of what God is going to think of him hanging out with people who he's not supposed to be with. And just like Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter and Cornelius in this very odd relationship and mysterious story, they are raised from their fears. They are raised out of their complacent life they are raised out of their fears of others and what God thinks of them. And they are raised into newness and a whole new world. Um, because not only do they spend a little bit of time together, hearing one another out, both stories indicate that they hang out for days together. At the end of this story, it says that Peter stays with Cornelius and his household for days, newness, being raised out of our fears. The, our pastoral team is reading a book by a woman named Nadia Boltz-Weber, and she writes this. The Christian faith, while wildly misrepresented in so much of American culture, is really about death and resurrection. It's about how God continues to reach into the graves we dig for ourselves and pull us out giving us new life in ways both dramatic and small. I don't know what the graves are that you find yourselves in. I don't know what the fears are that entrap you. But today, we proclaim that newness is on the horizon, that God wants to raise you out of those graves, wants to free you from those fears and wants to lead you into new life and newness. The third thing and the last thing is that resurrection life involves having very strange and impractical 
friendships. Resurrection life involves having very strange and impractical friendships. This story I've just told is a story of very strange and impractical friendships. And some of you are my witness that I'm living a good Christian life because you are strange and impractical. Just kidding. (laughs) How dare me? Maybe I'm the strange and impractical one. (laughs) Did I get an amen on that one? Yeah, all right. God's newness is ushered in in a lot of different ways. But this story reminds us, and and I think we could all probably give testament to, God's newness comes to us in people we didn't expect, people who may be very curious to us, people who may drive us crazy at times, people who we've just met, people who we live with and have been married to for a long time. Because the more you know one another, the more you realize there's stuff to learn. And God wants to use that towards newness and resurrection and new life. Um, Willie Jennings says that where the Spirit of God is, there is divine desire. He starts by saying, for God. There is divine desire for God. And we're here because of that. But not simply for God, but for one another. And not simply for one another, but for those to whom we are sent by the Spirit. To those already being drawn into communion with God. And sensing the desire of God for the expansion of their lives into the lives of others. There are people out there wanting to expand their lives and do a life um, like yours, like ours. Um, And the divine life is one that is open to welcome um, those relationships. The uh, Jennings goes on and writes that the risky thing about Christian faith is not that you need to believe in like new revelations. The risky thing, welcome back kids, about Christian faith is that you need to be open, we need to be open to new relationships. Do we get that? Let's not be distracted, though we love these kids. Come on in kids. The risky part about the faith is not new revelations. As much as being open to new relationships with others, with close friends, with ourselves. Um, What these kids are coming back for is how this story ends in Acts. And it's where we're headed together right now as a community. Peter's with this group of Gentiles. He's with this household that he feels uncomfortable in. And the Holy Spirit comes. And he says, I think we got to do baptisms. I think that when we realize that our story is wrapped up 
in God's story? I think that we realize that we've been raised out of pits and fears that have held us down. I think that when God brings newness in strange and impractical relationships, it's time to baptize people into the newness of the life of God. Amen? So we're going to do that. We're going to do that together today. What I want to do is I want to invite the musicians to come back up and we're going to sing a song as we prepare. But, but as we do that, when we move through these baptisms, I want all of those of us who have been baptized to remember your baptism. Remember that your story is wrapped up with God. Remember that God is raising you even now out of pits that you may be in. Remember that we are here for one another um, in friendship and community, that God might use that to bring about newness in our lives. Amen? Let's sing together.